Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, my name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to be gathering with you this morning. Hey, thanks so much for your patience as we're trying to figure out all the tech stuff going on. How cool is the TV and screen thing? How cool is that? Can you guys put our hands together for our production team and all the work that goes into it? This, this thing's way past my pay grade that happened here every week, so it's really cool to be able to, to uh, not only record our services, but then we're, we're trying to get them to live stream at the same time and, and serve our community well in whatever way is helpful in meeting people where they are. So, hey, I just want to say thanks so much for being here this morning, and we're continuing a conversation today uh, in this new series that we started last week called Win the War in Your Mind, Winning the War in Your Mind, and um, Last week, we had Dr. Tamara Powell from CU Denver come out and kind of just intro this entire series with the combination of, you know, where, where mental and emotional health meet uh, our faith journeys and how they're not incompatible. In, fa- in fact, they actually complement each other in incredible ways. And, and in a lot of ways, we're seeing science kind of catch up to a lot of what we see faith already um, reinforce in our lives. And so it's really encouraging to see these things work together. I highly recommend that you go back and watch online or on our podcast. Check out that message from Dr. Tamara Powell, man, because it was so helpful and powerful, some really practical tools. And, and, and this was born out of what we felt like God wanted us to start having conversations around um, in light of just the, the, the weight of the pandemic over the last year and a half. Um, obviously, the, uh, the heaviness um, and the, the effects of the shooting here in our community locally. Um, just so you're aware, tomorrow is the uh, one-month anniversary of the shooting, if it's not on your radar. And so City Church, I'm just grateful that we have a church that's actively involved in the city. And so uh, we have team members tomorrow uh, that are going to be delivering like hundreds of boxes of Girl Scout cookies to all of our first responders, the, the PD, the, the fire stations, all that, all over Boulder tomorrow. Uh, we're making a post just uh, um, acknowledging remembrance of the sacrifices that have been made and being there for families. Also, if you weren't aware, uh, uh, two weeks ago, we gave every dollar that came in over Easter weekend towards the Hope and Healing Fund for the families affected directly by the shooting, and City Church was able to give $5,000 toward that healing fund in one weekend. So way to go. Put your hands together for that generosity. I, I just want to say thank you. This is not meant to brag, right? This is just the privilege of continuing to see God work in and through our community. We don't have all the answers. We're not the heroes of our community, but we are absolutely a part of what God is doing in it, and we believe that he's the hero of this community no matter what we're walking through. And so today we're going to continue this conversation. I'm going to be just totally transparent with you. Uh, um, I, I've, been, I've been communicating, uh, I'm learning to communicate, and, and sharing God's word in this way for um, over 10 years now. And so in some ways, you know, you like start to get good at something, um, and, and there's a confidence that comes with it and a competence that comes with it. And so there's sometimes when I'll get up here and I'll be sharing something with you that is just so deep in my soul and so, so connected to me that it, it just flows out of me easily. And, and I can share it confidently and with boldness. And, and, and not, not that there's not room for me to grow in it, but typically there's like a, a level of just uh, maybe passion and confidence in it. I'm just going to be transparent with you today. As we're having this conversation over the next couple of weeks, I feel way out of my league. I feel like this is one of those things um, that while I'm committed to walking with you in it, I'm by no means an expert on it. Does that make sense? And so today we're having, again, just continued conversations around the intersection of mental, emotional, and spiritual health. 
Um, and I just wanted to let you know, man, I, I, I'm in it with you. I, I, this week has been really, really heavy um, as far as the content is concerned because I, I feel like I'm having to learn it with you, if that makes sense, right? So just, I'm just inviting you into that reality that this is more of a journey we're taking together rather than something I'm just going to learn you, okay? Does that make sense? So you guys cool to go on this journey with me? All right, so let me, uh, I appreciate, by the way, I had the privilege of speaking at one of our partner churches, Res Church in, in uh, Loveland, early, early, earlier this week on Wednesday. Um, and and to, to kick off like the, this conversation, I don't know about you and what goes on in your mind, um, but I, I feel like I have this constant battle in my mind. That, that, that the thoughts that I'm thinking, I can even acknowledge that they're not true, and then somehow they're still affecting me, they're affecting my mood, they're affecting my actions, they're affecting my responses. Um, and a great example is one of the things that I, I seem to struggle with often um, is feelings of like, like personal inadequacy. Um, and, and they come in waves. There's moments when I can be on a mountaintop, but literally 10 seconds later I can go back to like, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Uh, you know, what, can, I, can, I, can I actually bring anything significant that's helpful to anybody else? And it definitely comes up when it comes to like speaking and sharing and communicating. And so this week I was invited to speak at one of our partner churches, and literally the war in my mind leading up to Wednesday was, you don't have what it takes. You're not going to bring anything significant. God's not going to work through you. You're not going to change lives. You don't deserve to be on a platform that big. Over and over again, all of these things in my mind, all the way up to Wednesday, was just like pounding me, defeating. Things that I, I can like acknowledge aren't true, but then still that, they're, they're like weighing on me, like this constant battle in my mind. Does that make sense to you? You ever get stuff like, you have thoughts like that to where, where you're just wrestling? Here, here's the deal. This, this conversation today is built on the reality that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. By the way, this is going to be one of those talks where you want to take notes, um, either your phone or whatever. There's going to be a lot of little things that I think are going to be really, really helpful, some really practical things that you're going to have, have to do after this. And so let me just kind of give you that ahead of time. But most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. And, and kind of the premise of this entire series is this, that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And this comes from uh, cognitive behavior psychology, by the way, okay? So this is like a, a spiritual principle that we also see being fleshed out currently in science. Cognitive behavior psychology, and, and, and you'll see practices like cognitive behavior therapy. And, and the idea here is that the life that we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. That, that what we think ultimately influences who we become. Does this make sense to you? That our mind has heavy influence over our heart and our hands. And so, so what this means is that if you and I dwell on our problems, if, if all we can do is look at the negative in the world, if we look at every negative news stream and, and, and the, the, the pandemic and the, all the heaviness in the world around us, right? the more that we dwell on those things, the world is getting worse and it's all falling apart. You know what we're going to do? We're going to live lives that are overwhelmed. right? If that's the only thing we're inputting, the only thing that we're dwelling on, that, that toxic thinking continually leads to a toxic life. That, that if, you, if you have felt like you're, you've been a victim your entire life and everything is like, you know, out to get you, and you're just always the, the, the victim. And I'm not downplaying, by the way, the circumstances of life or anything like that. That's not this conversation at all. But if you and I live in this, like, man, nothing ever good is going to come my way and I'm always the victim, then I probably live as if I am. And, and before you get, like, too, too confused on the other side, I think this is really helpful to define. Um, this is not a conversation about optimism, okay? I'm like an eight-wing seven on the Enneagram, okay? So I'm, the gla I'm your glass-half-full friend, for sure, right? Anything that's going on, I'm always the glass-half-full kind of guy. 
But this is not a, a conversation around optimism. This is not a, hey, just try to think a little better. Don't think about anything. Like, live in a false reality and pretend like everything's okay. That's not, that's not this conversation at all. In fact, the intention of this conversation is that we're going to point our minds to the truth, and we're going to let the truth reshape our thinking. Jesus said it this way in John 8, 32. Jesus said that you're going to know the truth, and it's the truth that will set you free. You're going to know the truth, and it's the truth that will set you free. And so this is not rose color. pretend like everything's fine, there's nothing bad going on in the world, right? That's foolish and not helpful, right? There, there's a, there's a, an idea of faith out there, and I don't know what your spiritual journey has been like, but there's an idea of like just have faith in faith and just believe a little harder. And, and it's just like wishful thinking paradigm that doesn't help anybody. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about combat, combating the negative thoughts in our mind with the truth, but then taking it further, because if you're like me, you can know the truth and still live as if it's not that reality. So we're going to take it a little further. But again, this is a conversation of the intersection of our mental, emotional, and spiritual lives. And, and for the record, just I feel like I have to say this um, to make sure that uh, we don't unintentionally communicate something we're not trying to. Um, while this conversation is going to be incredibly helpful, this is by no means meant to diminish the reality of mental health struggles, the reality of mental health issues, the, 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 the beauty of, of medication and counseling and all of those things that come along with it. And so listen, I'm not qualified to speak into those arenas. I'm not your counselor. I'm not a doctor. You don't want me prescribing anything, right? This is simply a conversation around the truth and where cognitive uh, behavioral uh, psychology is, is actually lining up with our faith journey. And so again, we, we, we're happy to resource you with counselors and, and happy to, to get behind you when it comes to finding the help through doctors and things like that. We, we believe in all of that as well, okay? But it's not the only answer. So today I, I want to invite you to this one big idea that you and I would start to think about what we think about. Think about what you think about. That's, that's our big problem, right? You ever like start responding or doing something and it's too late and you did it before you thought about it and now you wish you wouldn't have responded or done or thought that way <laughs> you were in there, right? You and I have to pause long enough to think about what we're thinking about. Why? Why is this so important? Because what comes into our mind, it comes out in our lives. You and I cannot have a positive life if we carry a negative mindset, right? This is, this is not feel-good conversation. This is the reality of how our brains are wired. So here's my question for you this morning. Are you excited personally? Are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you today? Are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you today? And if we're being honest, if you're like me at times, you haven't even taken time to think about the thoughts that you're thinking and where they're taking you, right? So, so this is going to, it's going to require, listen, I'm just going to let you know, this conversation, it requires some hard work. If we want to see healing, we want to see progress, we want to see God's best for our life, it's not like just sit under a good conversation for 30 minutes, leave, and all of a sudden everything's fixed. This is take the tools and do something with it. So let me, let me just walk you through some things. There's a guy named Paul um, who, in, the, in the New Testament that we see who's like this hardcore religious zealot. He hates Jesus. He hates the church. He hates Christians. He's killing Christians. He's doing everything he can to shut down the church. And then he meets Jesus, and he goes from all of that to loving Jesus, loving his church, making a bunch of Christians, right? He has a complete 180 in his life. And Paul, here's what you need to know about him. He was such a religious zealot before he met Jesus that he is a crazy smart, crazy educated, crazy disciplined individual. I mean, this guy has more degrees than Fahrenheit. You with me? Like, that's funny, okay? All right, so, so um, totally not original with me, by the way, but I think it's funny. Um, so that's Paul, okay? I'm just trying to build him up. This is Paul in Romans 7. Check this out. Paul says, I don't really understand myself. <laughs> Anybody else? 
I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. This is the Apostle Paul, church planting guru, wrote over a third of the New Testament. Amazing Jesus follower, probably the most influential person in the original life of of, of following Jesus outside of Jesus himself. And Paul says, I'm a mess. Right? And I'm like, yeah, man, me too. That helps me a lot. You ever been there? So here's what's amazing. Paul writes a letter to a church that he helped start. Now imagine how frustrating this would be. He writes a letter to a church that he helped start, and a bunch of people are spreading lies. Everybody say lie. Lie. That's the problem. That's the problem with our minds is we believe lies, okay? So he's got a bunch of people at this church that he started talking trash about him behind his back. They're, they're, they're running their mouths and they're lying about him to the church that he helped start. Because he's, he's constantly moving and he's constantly starting other churches, he's not there in person. He started it and he moved on. And so he's writing letters to influence him and he's heard about all this trash talk in the background. They're saying things like he's weak and he's ineffective and he's a, he's a big talker through his letters, but man, in person, he's just not impressive. And you know, it's easy to be big through a letter, but in person, right, he doesn't deliver. And so Paul gets news of all that. Imagine, imagine how that feels. You love, you sell, you, you, you serve, you sacrifice to invest in this church. It's getting off the ground. And you, you hear news, and you, you can't text anybody to blow them up or call them. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you hear news that you can't respond to immediately, and you find out that they're just running you through the mud. What are you going to do? You have a couple options, right? You're either going to respond with pride or insecurity, right? I'm going to fight back, or, or I'm going to say, you know what? They're right. And there's these lies going around. I want you to see Paul's defense. Check this out, 2 Corinthians 10. This is Paul's defense of those rumors. He says, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. This is is really interesting. He's responding to the lies about himself. And rather than defending himself, watch what he does. He says, man, we, we don't fight like the world fights. That make sense? Right, he, he says this world, world that he, the word world that he uses is the word sarks in Greek. It, it literally means our flesh. So don't think like world like the planet, right? Think about like humanity and the brokenness and the weakness, right? So think about how we fight our battles. And he's saying we, we don't fight out of our own weakness, right? Because we can't deliver. We can't seem to get, it, get a hold of it. So they're all calling him weak. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I am kind of weak. But that's not how I fight. Right? The, the way that I overcome weakness is with God's help. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to, devol- to, to demolish the strongholds. He's saying, man, we, we live weak lives, don't we? This constant battle in our mind, this, this I can't seem to win, I keep messing up, I'm so frustrated. But Paul's saying, hey, listen, but we don't fight, we don't wage war with our weakness, from our weakness, but we have something better. Paul says, I'm weak, but actually God's the one that's strong, and that's where I find my help. He uses this word divine Power. That word power in the Greek, it's dunamis. It means it's where we get our root word dynamite, right? I mean, some serious power in our corner. And he uses this word stronghold. This is really interesting. Because again, he's addressing the lies about himself, right? And this word stronghold, it's in the Greek, it's akiroma. It's like a military stronghold. I want you to think middle of the city, like the most defensible place in the entire city. 20 foot thick concrete walls where you might would keep prisoners of war or something like that. And Paul's saying that we, we demolish these strongholds with divine power. My, 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 my weakness is not enough, but God's strength is. Now watch, watch out what he says in verse five. 
He says, because you've got to ask the question, like, what strongholds is he talking about? He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What is he saying? We, dem- we demolish the arguments and the lies that are contrary to God's truth. That's what he's saying. He's talking about the strongholds of the mind. Listen to this. And we take captive every thought, see it, to make it obedient to Christ. Isn't it funny that he's, he's talking about his thought life? He's talking about how he's overcoming the lies and the defenses. He's, fi- he's finding strength from God in his thought life. That we're tearing down strongholds. Here's what he's saying. That Jesus calls the devil the father of lies. Okay? The father of lies. I need to think about it. Paul is, Paul is addressing this stronghold. Where does that stronghold come from? You and I have this spiritual enemy of our lives, and he works to create strongholds in our minds, right? This is what Paul is talking about. And, and the goal is to get you to believe a lie as truth, to rob you of joy and peace and purpose and calling and intimacy with God and the ability to make a difference in the world. The goal is to build a stronghold, a lie that is built up around to where you and I start to believe it as truth, to shape our thinking in such a way that we become a prisoner to those thoughts. So you ever find that you're all of a sudden thinking thoughts that you don't mean to think, you just automatically go there? And you're kind of a prison, right? You're held captive by those things. So I want you, let me just give you some examples and just see if you identify, okay? Things like, you're always going to be broke. God doesn't hear your prayers. Your marriage is never going to make it. You're never going to make a difference. You're never going to amount to anything. You can't trust God. You're not safe. You're always going to be lazy. You're never going to be good enough. You can't trust people. You're not worthy of a healthy relationship. You're only significant if you perform in this way, if you achieve in this way, if you attain in this way. God could never forgive you for what you've done. God, uh, you you don't need help, right? You're your own personal savior. You're totally good. You know what? You're a good person. And, and you just need to do what makes you happy. You'll never know God's will for your life. You'll never be close to God. You'll always struggle with your way. You're never going to be disciplined. You're always going to be addicted. You're never going to be in control of your emotions. You're never going to be good with money. You can't trust the church. You're always going to be an anxious person. Anybody? That list, dude, we could, we could do that for the rest of our time together, right? We all leave depressed. <laughs> and some of you are like, I think I had like, you know, I scored 9 out of 10 on that list, <laughs> Right? That's the problem. So here's the question. How do we fight the war in our mind? How do we fight the lies? Paul says it another way. Romans 12, 2. Let me show you this. Romans 12, 2. Same, same conversation. This is so helpful that Paul is giving us multiple layers of this battle in our mind. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Or, or, or maybe another way to say it is, don't think like the world thinks. But be transformed by working harder. Yeah. By being a better person by being smarter, by gritting your teeth. What does he say? Be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. So part of the the study of cognitive behavioral psychology is that the more that you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again, okay? I want you to think about your brain. you, You and I have these negative thoughts, and they literally, every time we think a thought, it's changing the neural pathways in our brain. I want you to think about like when you walk across a, a, a patch of grass, right? If you walk across a certain patch of grass long enough, what happens? You wear a rut, right? You wear a path. You wear the grass out. There's a path that gets created. So the more that you and I think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. And eventually, if we think a thought long enough, it becomes our default thought. Does this make sense to you? 
It hurts your brain, right? Anybody else? I'm like, whoa, that's hard to say, much less understand. You and I have billions of neurological pathways that are constantly being created. And here's, the, here's what happens. If you and I think a negative thought long enough, we begin to believe that thought as truth, and we act accordingly. Right, so, so Danielle and I took our boys to uh, Arches National Park over, over uh, last weekend, and, and we were walking the paths up to the arches. And every now and then you would see a path worn in that, that it was clearly a path. People had clearly been on it, but it seemed like it wasn't supposed to be a path. You know what I'm talking about? And then what, we've, what we found is that the arches, the park would go in and they would put this little stone on that path that said, please don't walk on the path. And what had happened is people had started using a path long enough that it started to actually create a path that wasn't meant to be there. And so then to interrupt the path, they put a stone there to block it, say, please don't walk on it. What happens? What happens when you leave that path alone? It eventually starts to grow back. It eventually goes back to normal. It eventually creates more resistance, right? It's easy to walk on a path that looks like I'm supposed to be there. But if I've got to climb over bushes to get to where I'm going, I'm, I'm going to avoid that path. That's the same concept we're talking about in our brains, that the goal today is to talk about it, that we've got to identify our negative thoughts and then change the path, right? And, it, and it, listen, this is not easy. It's a lot of work. We've got to find the path and stay off of it. Let me, let me give you some tools, okay? Philippians 4, chapter 8. Philippians 4, 8 says it this way. Paul, again, okay? Paul, again. This guy is so helpful. He says, and now, and it's, again, I think because of Romans 7, he's like, I, I live this stuff, right? I, I, I get it because God is teaching me. Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. The great theologian Jackie Chan said that your focus needs more focus. <laughs> right? Anybody else? <laughs> Some of you are like, what'd you say? Exactly, right? That's, that's my point. Fix your thoughts. Now, listen, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Listen, it's easy to nod your head and say, yeah. It's another thing to evaluate your thought life and recognize that you and I really struggle to do this. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So this fix your thoughts. It, it could also be translated meditate on these things, okay? So let me help you out. Just some really practical tools. He's not saying fix your thoughts on the worst case scenario. Fix your thoughts on the things that you hate about your spouse. Fix your thoughts on the things that you're afraid of, right? That's the things we naturally do. He's saying fix your thoughts intentionally on purpose on things that are true. And then he goes on. So I want you to think about meditation, not, not in the Eastern sense of the idea. Meditation in the Eastern sense would be like emptying your mind, right? Just sitting there to empty your mind completely. That's not, that's not the biblical meditation we're being invited into. Biblical meditation is actually filling your mind with truth. Okay, that, that's our problem is you and I let so many things come in without thinking about it that it begins to influence how we behave. So the idea of meditating is fixing our minds, filling my mind with the truth. Here's the problem, guys, is that my mind and your mind, we, we don't naturally drift toward truth. Right? What do we do? We, we drift towards fears. We, we, we drift towards insecurity. We, we drift toward worst-case scenarios, and we drift toward the lie. And so there's two foundational thoughts that I want to give you today. Two, two things that you and I can use out of these texts that we've looked at to really process and, and work toward healing. And this is just week you know, two of four, okay? So you're going to have to stay tuned in order to really get the big picture. Um, but the first one is this. I, I want you to identify your biggest stronghold. Okay, just one today, okay? The odds are, you, if you're like me, you've got a lot going on in your mind. But again, if we're going to think about what we think about, if we're going to fix our thoughts, if we're going to start to fill our minds with truth, 
And the first thing you have to do is identify your biggest stronghold. What's that lie that's been protected? And what's that lie that that the devil has been just consistently pushing? What we're going to do is we're going to ask God to help us renew our mind. How do we find transformation? Romans 12, 2. By the renewing of our mind. We're going to stay off of that path and make a new path. Here's the problem, guys. You and I cannot defeat what we don't define. That's the issue. You and I don't take the time to do the hard work, and so then we can't defeat what we don't define. we got to do the hard work of digging. So um, I'll just give you an example for myself, okay? A lie I consistently struggle with is that I'm, I'm only significant when I perform a certain way, I deliver a certain... I'm only significant when I, when I, when I produce, and that production has to be at a certain level too, okay? So it's not just any production. I'm only significant when. And one of, one of the big lies and the motivators in my mind is, is this issue of envy and comparison that comes into that, right? That, that I'm, I'm looking at my production versus other people's production. I'm looking at my performance versus others. And, and I start to believe this lie that I'm only significant when I produce or achieve or deliver to this level. So I had to, I had to do the work, okay, of identifying that stronghold. The second thing you're going to do, and the second thing we're, I'm going to do with you, is we're going to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. This, this is really important. John 8, 32, what did Jesus say? You're going to know the truth, and it's the truth that sets you free. You know what the beauty of the truth is? The truth is not just something you think. The truth is a person. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You're going to know the truth. The truth will set you free. And this is really helpful because when it comes to, to lying, all right, remember, remember when you were a kid? And your parents told you you had to wait 30 minutes to go swimming, right, because it was bad for you? First of all, what a lie, right? Yeah, no, not true, but I can't tell you how many times we'd eat lunch and I'd sit at the poolside for 30 minutes, longest 30 minutes of my life, just to go swimming again. And you know what? It was a lie. It was not True. I don't know if my parents knew that or not, but it wasn't true. You know what happens? I was missing out on my best life <laughs> because a lie that wasn't true was keeping me from, from enjoying it. Right? That, that's what the lies of the devil do. Listen, you and I don't live the life that God created for us because we get stuck behind a lie that's not true. Right? We get stuck behind something that's actually, it, it's, like, it's like being locked behind a door that's not actually locked. You see the dip, right? right? A lie is, is not actually holding us a prisoner, right? So Paul says that we're going to take captive back our thoughts. We're not prisoners to our thoughts. But rather with God's power, we're actually going to take control of our mind. He uses the word of taking captive. It has the idea of like um, uh, um, fighting back with a sword or a spear. And the author of Hebrews, which is quite possibly Paul, so I love this, like Paul's everywhere, he says that the word of God is like the sword of the spirit, sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces through the bone and marrow, gets to the deep, deep stuff. Right? So, so we have this offensive weapon of God's word to fill our minds and our hearts. Here's the problem with, with uh, the lies that we believe. is Sometimes they carry half-truths. So for example, let's, see, let's just say you struggle with the lie, I will never be enough. It's never going to be enough. The problem is there's some truth in that, which right, makes it easier to believe. Because to some degree, I'm not going to be enough. That's why I need Jesus, right? Is, is that, that it's not my job to be enough, but here's the good news. Jesus was enough. Jesus is enough. And because Jesus is enough, I'm enough. You see it? See, it gets tricky, right? This is the challenge. We've got to do the work of taking the truth and allowing it to set us free. Check it out. 2 Peter 1.3, just to give you some encouragement, okay? 
Peter says it this way, by, by God's divine power, same, same thing, right? That, that dynamite power, the Holy Spirit. Man, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit living inside of you to take control of those thoughts, to change the direction of your life, by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life, a life that looks like Jesus, okay? We have received all of this by coming to know him. You see it in the relationship? You're going to know the truth. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Isn't that amazing? God loves us so much that he's given us the power to overcome. So, how, how, do, I, how do I overcome? Again, we're going to identify it, but then I'm going to identify the truth that fights it. So I told you earlier that I struggle with like this significance and achievement thing, right? Over and over again, guys. So I go to speak at this church, and it's just all over me. You're, gonna, you're just going to do a terrible job. You're going to fall flat on your face. Everybody's going to hate you. You're never going to get invited back. <laughs> all, all the things, right? And then, and then what happens, right? God used it. Lives have changed. It's amazing. People, you know, get a thousand compliments. You know, the only thing that I can think about afterwards is the compliments I didn't get. That's embarrassing, right? That's the, that's the war of the mind. So what do I do? I go to a passage of, uh, in, in the Bible that reinforces this truth that God is teaching me. 1 Corinthians 3. It's not on the screen. I'll read it for you, okay? I'm, I'm asking you to do the work. Identify your lie. And identify the truth out of the Bible that you're going to fight it with, okay? Here's mine. 1 Corinthians 3. Paul again. Dude's everywhere. Paul again. There's a church. This is the same church he helped plant. They're arguing over who's, who, who's their favorite leader, right? Oh, Paul's my favorite leader. Oh, Paul is my favorite. And they have all these, like, favorites, right? And so Paul writes back to them and he says, stop. Right? I, I planted the seed in your hearts, but Apollos is the one that watered it. But listen, it was God that made it grow. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything. It's only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters, man, they're going to have a reward for what they did. But we are God's co-workers, his co-laborers, working to build you up. So what's this passage? 1 Corinthians 3, what is it? It's saying that I'm not the significant one. Right? No matter what I'm investing, no matter how I'm using my time, it's God that makes things grow. It's God that gives the increase. So I have to go back to the lie in my mind. You're only significant when you invest in a certain way. And I get rid of the envy and the comparison of looking at other people and how they're investing and what that means for me and if I'm as good as they are. And I go back and I say, you know what? I'm planting, they're watering, whatever, but it's God that gives the increase. So if you're like me, if you're hardcore enough, okay, this is important. If you're hardcore enough, you take a truth from the Bible that you really want to remember, and you get it tattooed on your arm, okay? So, so I kid you not, you guys see this tree right here? That tree is from this verse. This was so important, listen, because this war is so heavy on my mind. This is such a constant battle for me that I'm like, I'm going to tattoo this truth on my arm. That this tree represents that God gives the growth, no matter what I do. No matter how significant I think I am or no, how, how, how bad I feel about myself, it's God that gives the increase, okay? You don't have to be that hardcore. You don't have to get tattoos. But the reality is, what are you going to do with that truth? Okay, let me give you just one last thing to wrap it up because this is how we kind of land the plane, okay? That's the truth. Um, but let me, let me walk you through the process. You guys got that on the screen? The first thing you're going to do is write it down. So you've got you to identify the verse, okay? You can't, I'm not asking you to go find a book from Oprah and find a little truth from Oprah and like let that be your thing. No, no, no. Go to God's Word. And let that influence your thinking. Write it down. We're going to write it. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to think it. Again, we're going to win the war in our mind. We've got to start a new path. This has to be intentional. Albert, where you, right here. So Albert and I were talking this week. It's been a hard week, right, Albert? It's been a hard, well, it's been a hard month. It's been a hard year. We'll just go there. And I, and I send Albert this very same process. Write it down. Start to think it. 
then we're going to start to confess it. This is so important, that it goes from my mind to my mouth. I'm going to think it and confess it. I'm not only just meditating and ruminating it on in here, but I'm going to say it out loud. And the last thing I'm going to do is I'm going to keep doing it until I believe it. Okay, here's the goal, that you and I are going to create an emotionally charged statement around the truth from God's word to reorient our thinking. So let me give you a resource. There's a, a, a version app on the little version Bible app called Words to Live By. It's by Craig Rochelle. Words to Live By. I highly recommend that you use that little, that little Bible study because it's going to help walk you through this process at a bigger level. But let me give you how I, I landed the plane, okay? So again, I told you my struggle. I told you the verse in 1 Corinthians that I'm using. So here is how I wrote down and fleshed out a statement. And here's what I'm doing. Listen, every morning when I wake up and I spend time with God, I have a list. I mean, there's probably 15 different truths that I have, I have crafted to be emotional, okay? They've got to have a charge. I'm going to take that passage and I'm going to make it fit my context. So here's what I wrote. You ready for this? Listen carefully. Based on the passage in 1 Corinthians and the lie that I struggle with, I don't have time to let comparison kill my joy and my God-given purpose. Every minute that I give to someone else's highlight reel is a minute that I abandon the opportunities that God has put in front of me. This is the truth that I have to wake up every day and tell myself. God gives the increase, right? I don't have time to let comparison kill my joy and my God-given purpose. Every minute that I give to someone else's highlight reel is a moment that I am abandoning to the opportunity of what God wants to do in and through me. I have to tell myself that in my God time, every morning, I'm waking up, and what am I doing? I'm creating a new path. Right? I'm walking on a new path. I'm running a rut in the right direction. I'm building new neural pathways. Listen, I don't know what it is for you. I realize, man, there's some heavy, heavy work. But let me encourage you. Write it down. Start to think about it. Confess it until you believe it. Until you believe it. And so this is why it's so powerful that I have it somewhere I can access. I print it off on a paper. I've got it in my pocket. I've got it on my phone. And I'm saying it throughout my day. So if it's how I respond to my kids in anger, if it's how I, I, I think about myself personally, whatever it is, Daniel, you come, and as Daniel comes, I just want you to wrestle with this, okay? Because I realize this is a lot of work, right? This is heavy. But I want to give you the tools to be able to start in the right direction. So this week, in your city groups, you're going to have the chance to really flesh this out. And that you and I need divine power and community around us to be able to win the war in our mind. And Jesus said, man, you're going to know the truth. It's going to set you free. Some of us are stuck behind some lies that are keeping us from God's incredible plan for our lives. But the good news is we're not captive. But rather, we take captive our thoughts through the power of God. We might be weak, but he's strong. I'm going to pray for you, okay? You bow your heads with me. As you bow your heads and just sit in this moment, I just want you to reflect on your own spiritual journey and where you are right now. Maybe some of the lies that you've been struggling with are, are barriers to faith in general. You can't trust God. There's no hope. Jesus is not enough. Maybe for the first time today, it's just overcoming the lie that, that has been keeping you from trusting in Jesus. That there really is hope in Jesus. There really is freedom in Jesus. There really is forgiveness in Jesus that we're made new, we're made right with God, and we're giving li given life and divine power. 
to live the life that we were created to live, set free and made new. And maybe right now you're ready to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Others of us in the room, man, I don't know what it is for you. It could be a thousand things, but man, do the work right now. God, what is the one thing? Will you pray it with me? God, what is the one lie that I need to address? And what's the truth I'm going to fight it with? And would you take this conversation, would you take these tools, bring it to group, and let God do a work, start to set you free and empower you in the life that he's called you to live? Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful that we get to know you and follow you and give us your power to overcome our thought life and to move in the right direction, to become who you created us to be, to know you, to love you, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's in Jesus' name.